corporate good. I think that's because Bill Clinton grew up poor, and I think he's always been impressed by people with big things and lots of money. Just a guess, but anyway. So, and of course, under the bushes, things just went really squiggly. Money was being given away here and there, and then of course, there's the Goldman Sachs of crap, uh, Lehman and Waite brothers scandal. The fact that all the moral authority on Wall Street has been shorted entirely. So finally. Now that our financial center is losing its moral authority and falling apart, maybe it's time to take a look at what the heck is going on there on Wall Street. Well, at just about every stage of the Senate's financial reform process, this is from the gray lady, the changes to this bill have tended towards the left, and they may well be borne out again if, a, if the Democrats successfully add a provision of the bill that will, along with other things, ban big banks from using their own capital to engage in market speculation. Well, that makes common sense, doesn't it? Well, the provision is called the Volcker Rule. Remember him, the, the former Fred, Fed head who was like six foot eight? Okay. He now heads President Obama's Economic Recovery Advisory Board. Currently, two Democratic senators, Carl Levin, I love Carl Levin, he was the one that kept pushing the shitty deal metaphor back on Mr. Sparks, who was head of the mortgage section of Goldman Sachs of crap. I just love Carl Levin. And uh, Jeff Merkley, they're pushing to add the rule to the Wall Street reform legislation and have built up quite a head of steam. The Volcker Rule has the support of the Obama administration and the Senate banking chair, Chris Dodd, and stands a good chance of passing, particularly if it's held to a majority vote threshold. I mean, if they if they have to go for the super 60, which doesn't make any sense at all, then the blue dogs and the Republicans, the NOP, can probably stop it for a while until the American public becomes so outraged that they have to change their mind. Now, there's a large appetite in the Senate for putting downward pressure on the size of big financial firms and the risk they pose to the economy. And the tricks for the Democrats thus far has been figuring out how to accomplish this without running afoul of the administration, which has drawn some bright lines over the issue. The Obama administration is very conservative on Wall Street. Uh, it's true that you can't change that place overnight. And it's good to have this leftward pressure on Obama, who is a true centrist. But uh, basically, you know, the, the, the buck changing, the buck reforming pretty much stops there. That doesn't mean progressives are getting um, everything they want. They obviously didn't um, uh, get by the too-big-to-fail statute. And though some would like it, they're unlikely to reinstate Depression-era rules, segregating banks from other financial institutions. And that is a damn shame. We're talking about the New Deal Act called the Glass-Steagall Act, which separated banks from investment houses. We've got to get that done. Otherwise, those foxes are going to be running around eating chickens in everybody's hen house. You know, we did a piece recently, uh, a a very funny piece that David wrote called uh, Exorcism in Your Daily Life, Derivatives, which is a form the Firesign Theater has been using from the very beginning, Exorcism in Your Daily Life. And part of it, we go to visit Farmer, whatever his name was. Well, Brown. Farmer Brown. They're all Farmer Brown. And he explains that, uh, you know, you can go long and short on all kinds of commodities, but the one thing by federal law that you can't bet on, right, go long or short, is onions. And uh, we got hundreds of calls from people saying (laughs) that. Can't possibly be true. That I mean, you guys are so far out. Well, however weird and surrealist you think that might be, it is absolutely true. Uh, an op-ed column in the New York Times by Felix Salmon, and this is the beginning of the column. This is where I got the idea. Okay, in the 1950s, he writes, 
Onion growers were often shocked at the low prices they were getting. Casting around for a villain to blame, they alighted on derivatives traders, and they persuaded Congress to ban any futures trading in onions. Today, onions are the only commodity for which futures trading is banned. Not coincidentally, onion prices remain extremely volatile. They doubled in 2008 and then fell by 25% in 2009. Today, no one is silly enough to ask a member of Congress to simply outlaw futures trading in a certain type of contract. No one, that is, except Hollywood film producers. Under the proposed financial reform legislation making its way through the Senate, the bit of the 1958 bill saying, except onions, would be amended to read, except onions and motion picture box office receipts. <laughs> you, you, mean, you mean there is a market in going short and long on box office receipts? Because I could make a fortune, man. I can take a look at some of those things. I know, I know where the bombs are. I know where the bombs are buried. You can smell the stink off some of those movies. You know, for years, I did trailers for major motion pictures. And you could take one look at the first five seconds of whatever I had to deal with and know where the bombs were. Back when I worked for uh, ABC Television, and uh, they would have they would preview things. They'd get these uh, audiences, you know, of a couple of hundred people at a shopping center or something, and they'd all come, you know, wow, we get to go to Hollywood, get to see the preview of something, show them incredible junk. And you, I remember one that was so bad, they had only shot three episodes of it. They showed one of them, and of course, it never even got on the air. And any executive, even the really stupid ones, could have told that this was a crap it was not ever going to go on the air but there they made it they pay what cost fifty thousand dollars an episode or something throw away money uh you don't need an audience to tell you if it's a piece of junk if you don't know good from bad in this kind of business sure you can bet on it you can bet on er 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 anything that's the point you can bet on anything except onions. onions Oh, it's easy to look at the protesters and the politicians in Greece and at the other European countries with huge debts and wonder, why don't they get it? Yet, in the back of your mind comes this nagging question, how different really is the United States, 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 states? The numbers on our federal debt are becoming frighteningly familiar. The debt is projected to equal 140% of the gross domestic product within two decades. Hey, I'm becoming a teabagger. Add in the budget troubles of state governments, I mean, big time, and the true shortfall grows even larger. Greece's debt, by comparison, equals only 115% of its GDP today. Why, they seem financially conservative compared to where we're going. The United States will probably not face the same kind of crisis as Greece for all sorts of reasons, but the basic problem is the same. Both countries have a bigger government than they're paying for. And politicians, spendthrift as some may be, are not the main source of the problem. We, the people, are. Absolutely so. It is our problem, our responsibility. There really is no such thing as a government. It's just a gathering of people that we elect and elect them to appoint the rest. It's us. It's people. They represent the the state of our spiritual being. 
You know, if we want to get by and get more from less, then it's up to us to do that. We can't just wait for somebody to pass the more from less bill and have it filibustered and have it mediated and have it cut in half and have all those mumsers put the earmarks on it. No, you have to start. I have to start. What am I doing? Talking to you. It's about me. Everybody's doing this one person at a time. I have to learn to get more from less. If I want to bring down my own personal debt and my own personal contribution to the greater debt. All right. Here's here's why the people are responsible. We have not figured out the kind of government we want. That's probably one of the reasons that teabaggers are running around with those crazed pinball eyes, you know, wearing those revolutionary war hats and crying about how big the government is. The problem is they don't know what kind of government they want. They've just been convinced that somehow it isn't working and it isn't working because it's too big. No, it's not too big. It's just too bloody inefficient. All right. We're in favor of Medicare. One. Social Security, good, too. Good schools, love them. Wide highways, love to drive them. And a strong military. Well, I'm not so big about a strong military. I want a military strong enough to protect me against all those hordes of North Koreans and Iranians and Syrians and disaffected Chinese who are going to come at us at our shores. That's as strong as it gets. The, The rest, hey. Oh, and the other thing we love, the other big word, low taxes. So dealing with this disconnect that we want all of these goodies and don't want to pay for them, and that's where we stand today, that's going to be the central economic issue of the next decade in Europe, Japan, and here. I mean, a trillion dollars being pumped into Greece to keep it from falling. Japan just pumped their central bank, which means borrowing, just just put $20 billion into the economy to keep it from stagnating. And we're spending hundreds of billions of dollars to keep, you know, just corrupt insurance companies from falling and and Wall Street mumsers from having to jump from their buildings. You know, they went during the big depression, these guys used to commit suicide by jumping from the buildings. That's why most of these um, corporate offices of the real mumsers are on the first floor. They just want to crawl out and run away.